Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this episode of Damsels in the DMs. Okay, damsels, you are all so busy. It's hard to imagine how you have time to take care of yourselves and balance everything else you've talked about. I'm not having luck figuring out how to use my free time when I'm making ends meet between two jobs. It's even more challenging to go on dates because I enjoy spending time with friends who are already in relationships and friends who just want to party or smoke all the time. Do I just pursue a totally new friend group at my age? Fold and create a dating profile somewhere? Help! (laughs) Sincerely, finding my gem in a haystack. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. There's some damsels in the DM. Yes, queen. (laughs) Tell us what's the vibe. There's some damsels in the DM. Yeah. Please tell us what's the vibe. DMs, DMs, yeah, we see them, yeah, we read them. DMs, DMs, we don't need them, we just leave them. Please, yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Hello, hello, guys, and welcome to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. I'm Ash. And I'm Alejandro. And today we have the pleasure of speaking to Andrew Lara Cervantes, an educator, filmmaker, writer, director, most recently of the short film El Marihuana, which is gonna be shown at Outfest. Um, it's amazing. It has, he has so much to share in terms of his talent, his passions, his dating experiences. Oh my goodness. But his his involvement in the community is so admirable. I mean, even with his nonprofit, El Sereno Community Arts, I mean, I'm super excited that they're going to be having their first year back at the Dia de los Muertos celebration since the pandemic. Ash, what did you think about everything that he had to say? So, you know what my favorite thing about them is, is that I really love the storytelling aspect and the way that he tells his stories, but then like he uses these stories to make plays out of his life experiences. Like every little story or anecdote that he had, he'd be like, oh yeah, I wrote a play about that. And I love that. I love storytelling. I love storytellers. And this is why we have our pod. So we have great people like him to come on and tell these fun stories. So excited! His vulnerability, his radiance, his energy, and just it all culminates into such a fascinating person and so full of life that it's, I'm excited for listeners to dig into this episode. Yeah, well, let's get into it. Let's do it. So, Andrew, I would actually love to know more about how you and Alejandro got connected and the whole backstory of that. And also, I see that you have. For all of our viewers that are viewing on our YouTube, I see that you have a lovely backdrop there. So I would also love to kind of get to know more about that. Okay, sure. Um, The background is um, a poster for a short film that I wrote and directed, and which Alejandro is one of the co-stars of, called El Marihuano. It's a short film about two friends, lifelong friends, and um, it's time for one of them to say goodbye. And it's, uh, you know, that moment when you're saying goodbye to your, your best friend and you're reminiscing and trying to 
there's still, you know, that hope of being able to hold on, but the overwhelming sense that it is time for, for them to move on. And Alejandro uh, auditioned, actually, and that's how I met Alejandro the first time. Yeah, they came in and they were great. They nailed the audition, so much so that we couldn't decide whether we wanted Alejandro to be, you know, one character or the other. So we had him, it was really funny because we had a Marine come back and he read for both with like every other person that we thought could fit one of the roles. <laughs> and so I was laughing and telling Jocelyn, I'm like, he has to know. Like Alejandro has to know that they have a part, right? Like maybe they don't know which one or, but they have to know something. Um, because they were reading both parts over and over and over with like a different uh, <laughs> actor each time. <laughs> it was wild though. I mean, like, I was excited, but I was also nervous because I was just like, they're just using me to like read instead of one of them doing it. So I, I thought I was going to be recycled and just like cast aside like for, I don't even know. I really, it, it was like mixed feelings. I was just like, okay, no, I don't, I don't Like part of 50% of me was like, okay, no, this is in the, bag and then the other part of me was just like, like they're just gonna toss me at the end so it was really exciting to to get the news and what I loved about the story was the fact that you know you touch not only on the impact of relationship and friendship uh, and you know like close bonds but you touch on really significant issues like mental health and gentrification and I, I find that really admirable in your writing and director style. And I'm just curious, you know, what your involvement in the LGBTQ plus and Latinx communities have been like, um, both as a filmmaker and outside of being a filmmaker. So, I mean, growing up, I didn't even think film was an option for me. I was, I always consider myself fortunate that I grew up in a family where storytelling was a big part of our everyday life. As a child, my dad would um, make up stories for us at bedtime and he would, you know, they were totally ridiculous and outlandish and, but so entertaining. And he would make them up in such a way that the characters re were relatable to us. They were like kids that we knew or, you know, brown kids, Mexican kids, like uh, things that we didn't see on TV or in film growing up. And I don't even know if he was conscious of it, but when he was doing it, it did make an impact because as an adult and growing up, I found myself drawn towards storytelling. And my storytelling always came from my perspective, which is a brown perspective, a, you know, a Latinx perspective. So it never occurred to me that my storytelling was different from the mainstream storytelling. Um, but that was like one thing. It was storytelling. It wasn't filmmaking. It wasn't um, theater, which is actually something I wasn't even exposed to um, growing up. And I came into relatively late. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, the idea that my storytelling could be expressed in different ways was something that took a while for me to figure out. And, you know, from writing short stories and um, participating in spoken word uh, events, I kind of built the confidence and figured out that this was something I could do and this was something that people were responding to. Um, and they were stories that people could relate to. A lot of the, the stories that I tell and the, the scripts and uh, plays that I write 
are based on things that I experience, things that are, are part of my life and my community, my reality. And I just feel like it's important to express all of that because not everyone has the same coming out story. Not everyone has the same post coming out story. And one of the things that I really try to do with my writing is to go beyond the coming out part. I feel like there's so many coming out stories, but what happens after that, right? It's life. And, and that's kind of like what I like to express and explore in my stories and writing. So I just, you know, went for it and and never looked back and, and, and it's still going. So that's really amazing. I'm actually that's really cool that you focus on what's beyond the coming out story because I feel like and I've been guilty of, of this in the past where you're just so interested in someone's coming out story that you forget to even ask and then what? You know, like I remember I had um one friend who came out or came out to their family and I asked them, and this is in the past before I even knew them and I asked them about the coming out story but then I realized like I didn't follow through and I didn't ask like okay well like what's going on now like are you you know is your did you reconnect with your family did they ever like get over their like own you know I don't even it's like machismo culture of like you know like accept not accepting the man being the you know in the way that they were raised generations ago so I may have made that mistake in the past where I like I just don't follow up with the coming out story because I know there are a lot of people out there who are like very interested in the coming out story but then there's nothing past that yeah and it's not you know a detriment or anything because those are those coming out stories are super important because they're mm -hmm. still examples for people that are yet to come right um, so they're important. They have their point of view. But I'm really interested in what happens after that. Um, I know one of the first plays, one of my first plays that um, was produced was at Teatro Frida Kahlo in downtown. And the producer of the event, it was a 10-minute short theater festival. And Ruben uh, Amesquiva was the one who was responsible for putting the festival together. And he's great. Like, I feel like he's been a mentor, but one of the things that impacted me most is when we were doing rehearsals and he sat in on, on the rehearsal and he pulled me aside afterwards and he was like, you know, one of the reasons he picked that play was because my characters were queer um, without any explanation. I didn't give any background. I didn't give any um, coming out nothing of that I just they were just people and they were queer and that's it and he thought he'd never run across a, a play that had characters that just flat out told the, the audience like I'm queer and that's it like you know right because when has any other story had to have told the audience that hey I'm straight and like I've been straight for a while and um this is my dating history and this is when I realized that I like boys or I like girls like when has any other play had to do that? So why do why does the LGBTQ plus community have to do that in their stories as well? Yeah, I mean, and to hear it, I always thought, you know, writing these characters that they they're past the coming out part. So it's you know, what are they doing in their normal everyday life? And there's interaction. It's it's just you know people interacting, and you know, um, some conflict comes up, and how do they deal with it? And it's like any story, but characters are just weird 
because they are. So. I love it. How much do you pull from personal experience, whether writing for a theater or for film? A lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> really a lot. I, you know, I always say I really enjoyed my misspent youth. Um, I grew up wanting to experience everything. So, I mean, I did things I probably shouldn't have done. And <laughs> uh, I wouldn't encourage, like, my nieces and nephews to do it. But <laughs> I just wanted to, like, have that experience. I wanted to, like, live the life and, and have all these stories I imagine telling, like, you know, grandkids and great-grandkids or whatever. Um, I, I wanted to just have, like, as many stories as my grandmother had for me growing up. And she lived an incredibly rich life, too. So she told me so many stories and had so many, like, um, so many amazing, you know, things that she did in her life. And I wanted to have that. So I was like, you know, we're doing this thing. And we one example, it's a horrible example, but um, I went to private school and we did a donut sale fundraiser after church. Yes. So I, I, I yeah. knew Alejandro was going to be so excited about it, Mr. Donuts. <laughs> so, donuts, right? Yeah. Uh, so there was some some old man was there, and he was like, "Yo, I'm not going to buy donuts, but he's like, after this mass, if you want, I'll take you all to go have ice cream." And so one of my friends is the responsible one. The whole time during that 30 minute mass or whatever, she's like, "I'm not going. I'm not going." So my other friend and I are like, oh, we're going. And she's like, no, 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 we're not. I'm like, oh, we're going and you're going with us. And she was like, no, we ended up going. It was fine. We had an escape plan during that time. My other friend Hilda and I devised an escape plan so that our third friend, the responsible one, would go along, you know. Um, so she felt confident in our escape plan. We went, we had ice cream, we got dropped off, everything was fine. But like, as an adult, I'm like, what, why would you do that? Like, why? <laughs> but I knew, I knew well enough to never tell my parents until I was grown up. Um, yeah, no, I never said a thing. But that's kind of like, you know, it's an adventure and it's something that I actually have drawn parts from for, for little plays and, uh, and films that I've written, screenplays. So I just feel like I wanted to get out there and experience as much as I could. And um, a lot of it resonates in what I'm writing now. I also had to play a, a short uh, film, the very first one, um, which was Consent. And that was uh, part of Outfest Fusion in 2020. So right before, like right at the start of COVID, we debuted... It was a five minute, so it's micro short. Um, oh no, I'm sorry, it's one minute. We edited it down from five minutes to one minute. Um, we shot it over a weekend. Uh, we shot two, edited it that same weekend, submitted it like on Monday, and then no we're notified Tuesday that we got in. And then like two weeks later, we were there um, at the LA Theater um, downtown watching the film on, on the screen. and. I mean, it was a, the the response was great. Like, I know I loved it. Um, it told the story exactly the way I wanted it to be told, and the response was great. People understood it. But that is a story inspired by an ex, and it it the story of consent. It's it's about consent within a relationship. So after 
you know, years of being together, where's the line? Like, when do you stop asking or having to get consent? Like, you know, at what point? Once you develop that comfort level with someone, it does kind of blur the lines of like what one needs to ask, not permission for, but consent for in order to just like make the other person feel, you know, emotionally safe or, or secure rather. And it, that is so important. And the reciprocity of that, I mean, that definitely contributes to a healthy relationship, probably. Yeah, I feel like it just strengthens the relationship. And you are constantly learning about your partner, right? Like, you're, if you're interested in something, you don't want to just try it. It's like a conversation that needs to be had. And, and you know, you need to involve the other person because it's two people in a relationship. So you want to make sure that, you know, you have consent and if not then let's discuss this where can we meet you know in the middle i think a mistake that people make are in the thinking that it's too late in our relationship to even have this consent like talk and it's like because you'll be like oh well we've been married for five years so like do we need to like have this conversation or would it be weird if i bring this up that you know like no this is not okay and this is yes this is okay i've done that in my relationships where it's like "Mm." I think you can have that conversation at any point in the relationship. And um, I'm actually really curious and I, I want to see that. I want to see consent and I want to see how you were able to boil down such a big topic in just one minute. I know. I can send you the link. Please do. No, please do. And we'll send it. We'll, we'll share it on our um, okay. social media too, if you want, if that's an, of interest to you. Cause I think that'd be really cool to see. Of course. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, have there been any other challenges in your experiences of either relationships or dating that you've encountered? Yeah, I mean, of course. One thing I hear a lot when I'm dating someone, even after we've dated, you know, and t- we spent time apart, is I always hear that I don't have a lot of time. And so going into relationships ever since I started, since that became a cycle that I kept hearing, you know, this comment, I make sure going into a relationship that I'm like, okay, I, I am very busy. Um, I, you know, list everything that I'm, all my activities. I have a nonprofit that I run with my friends. I am writing and trying to make, you know, films happen. I participate in community organizations. Uh, there's a lot on my plate, um, but I will carve out time. You know, it's just, it may not be as much time as you or need and we need to have that discussion because I can schedule it in. I'm good with like you know planning I'm great with uh making sure that we spend time together a lot of times the last minute things I, I'm not I'm just not able to do um, so I think I, I try to be aware of uh the challenges of dating me <laughs> 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 that is the most self-aware thing I've ever heard. <laughs> right? Because, I mean, I've had, everyone has breakups, right? I've had, I mean, people have cheated on me and uh, people have just like ghosted me and we've had the awful breakups and I had like one, I, I swore I would never have like a dramatic public breakup and then in my like 20s, I did, of course. And that was at Pride. Oh my God, what was that like? I want to know. <laughs> well, I was probably like 20, uh, 24, 25. And I had been dating this guy for almost four years. And, you know, you're 24. So I had my, 
my nemesis at, at the time, the person that I, he and I would just never get along or we couldn't be in the same room. And I, I don't really know why I was 24. Like, you know, like as an adult now, it probably wouldn't be the same thing. But at the time, oh my God, we couldn't stand each other. Um, which is funny because we ran in the same circle. So we constantly saw each other. It was that kind of thing, right? So, and here I am trying to be like a mature, like in my 20s and I'm never going to be like this dramatic person. But I already was, I just didn't know it. So we were at Pride and it was our first time at Pride together. Even though we had dated, we had never like done a Pride thing together because I would always go with my friends and he he was always busier, you know. We went to Pride and we were, spent the day there. We got, he bought like all those little like rainbow things for us and I have a bag of like whatever goodies and he sees this we're dancing he sees his friends um he walks runs over to say hi he's like I'll be back whatever you know and then my friends and I are dancing and then my two friends that I'm facing just like stop and they're like eyes wide like in shock and I was like turned around and so he was kissing my friend and me <laughs> oh Oh. It was like legit, like, like kissing. And then my friend of me, I guess, saw. So he went for it, like, and I, and I got so mad. And I just got my stuff and left. I was walking out, storming out of the dance floor at Pride. His friends told him, I guess. So he starts running after me. And as I'm running, I'm taking every little thing he bought and throwing it in a trash can. So, oh so I, I love the drama that I, I just love the dramatic moment. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I saw him and there was a trash can and I made sure he saw me throw it away. And then I walked and I'm like looking in there. He's like, stop. And I see another trash can. And I pull something else out. It was so, so, so much. And it was totally unnecessary. But in the moment, I didn't think I was. No, that's not unnecessary. I, I would have set the place on fire. Okay. So. You throwing some things in the trash can is not unnecessary. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would have burned the whole place down. <laughs> it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was dramatic because people were moving aside as I was walking through. It was, it was bad. And then as we get to the exit, he reaches me and my friend, I didn't even drive. Where was I going to go? Like, <laughs> you know, so I'm there at the exit or the entrance, um, and he's there, like, talking to me, and I'm yelling at him. And then a crowd's forming because people are looking at what's that, you know, this dramatic incident that's going on. My friend is, like, calling us, and he, he's running. He's like, I'm coming, I'm coming. I have the keys because my friend drove. And, <laughs> and it was just a big, like, it was this big scene. And then when I realized, like, everyone was watching, I was like, God, I did what I, I always swore I would never do. I'm all you made us that couple. <laughs> no. Uh, uh. But yeah. And then, you know, I was 24. So a few months later, I went to pick up my stuff and he had like some of the stuff that I had thrown away. And he's like, it's so important. And so we got back together. Did he go into the trash can and, and take? Oh, interesting. <laughs> uh, wait, you said you got back together though? Wait a minute. What? <laughs> I did. I fell for it. I was 24. <laughs> Twist. You know, this well, is the same person he wrote consent about oh, right. <laughs> yeah no i went to pick up the rest of my stuff from his apartment and uh he was totally calm and he's like 
look, I have everything. It means something to me. You mean something to me. I'm sorry. Blah, blah, blah. I shouldn't have done it. And I, you know, I fell for it. And we were together probably like a few more months. And then it officially ended. <laughs> what was that? point though like I mean after you got back together what was that second final straw for you where you like okay no this is not working out um it you know what it boiled down to is after that moment I was aware of the red flags that I wasn't paying attention to because I was you know in that love bubble and I wasn't paying attention to anything outside of it so there were red flags that I should have seen and then after the fact, my friends was like, yeah, we saw it, but we didn't want to say anything. And I'm like, okay, in the future, like, say something. Yeah. Um, it's important. Um, so, yeah, just being aware of uh, red flags that were signaling behavior that I couldn't accept. And, and so. What's dating for you like now? You're in L.A., I'm assuming. Yeah, so what's dating for you like now in LA? And I'm curious because I've had like, you know, the weirdest, worst experiences with straight men. So I want to know like if, if in the LGBTQ plus community, if people are like more serious and more respectful or if just people are just shitty all around in LA. <laughs> Oh, not saying oh, everyone's shitty. I know. Not, not, not saying everyone's shitty. I'm sorry, Alea. I love you. But um, as a single girl out here, it's it's hard. It's difficult. Yeah, let me assure you, like, there's uh, the same amount of people in every community, I would say. Mm -hmm. There's shitty people in every community. There's great people in every community. The tricky part is finding the great people, right? Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of times those shitty people are pretending to be really great people. Um, and there are times we think they are, you know, and that's, you know, their own reality, but it might not mix with your reality. Um, dating can be tough. I do date and have been, you know, dating a couple of people recently. Um, and it is tricky uh, navigating new relationships in LA, you know, everyone seems to be busy, including myself, you know. Um, and there's a lot of this next best thing kind of uh, mentality that I think some people have. Um, and that has to do with maturity more than anything else, right? Um, when you're younger, you always like are looking like, oh, you know, who's hotter, who's nicer, whatever, you know, um, who fits more into my, my vision of what this, what kind of relationship I wanna have. But as you get older and you meet more and more people, you realize nothing is really going to be a perfect fit. You have to like kind of meet people and, and get to know them and understand how they're going to fit into your world um, rather than becoming part of this world together. You, know? mm -hmm. um, you have to fit into each other's world. I, I, I look to date and I enjoy dating people that have their own lives, that they have, uh, you know, their own things going on, their own aspirations their own uh you know activities that you know um relax them uh, i like people that have all of that going on already and don't need me to come in and be like that for them you know i, I don't like being like oh we have to schedule everything together no 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 you can go be on your own do your own thing i'm not going you know if we're in a relationship we're, I'm, I'm here it's good you know um, 
And I like that same freedom too, because sometimes I, sometimes I just want to be alone and I'll mm-hmm. just go like out and just chill, like either get a coffee or even have a drink and just chill and, and, and see what's going on, you know? But I think, you know, the more you date, even if you date the wrong people, it leads you to understanding what you're really looking for. Yeah. And what you don't want. Exactly. And that's probably more than don't want. <laughs> yeah, because I have a whole list. I have a whole list of what I don't want. Let me That's tell you. <laughs> That's good. And you know what? You're going to find the person that doesn't have any of those things going on. So. I think my husband is not in America is what I've decided. <laughs> He's in Europe somewhere abroad. <laughs> Hopefully he'll visit, you know. <laughs> yeah, come, please come visit. I'll, I'll come to you. Don't worry. <laughs> Do you think now is a good time to jump into the letter? Or sh- yeah. Cool. Well, we have from a listener. Okay, damsels, you are all so busy. It's hard to imagine how you have time to take care of yourselves and balance everything else you've talked about. Avid listener here, if you can't tell. I'm not having luck figuring out how to use my free time when I'm making ends meet between two jobs. It's even more challenging to go on dates because I enjoy spending time with friends who are already in relationships and friends who just want to party or smoke all the time. Friends who party aren't the most helpful with advice on how to pursue romance while they're whooping it up or chasing guys on Grindr. My partnered friends like to remind me that dating apps can have hidden gems since that's how half of them met. Do I just pursue a totally new friend group at my age? Fold and create a dating profile somewhere? Help! <laughs> Sincerely, finding my gem in a haystack. Damn. What do you think? <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a lot in there. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if this person's at that point where they've outgrown certain friends, but your friends were there for you and supported you um, when you were going through specific things. I feel like people come in and come in and out of your lives for reasons. Um, and I, I don't generally, personally, I don't like to cut people off um, because I like to remember and acknowledge um, what we went through together. Um, so I wouldn't say like find a new set of friends, but you can always meet new people and introduce them into your group of friends or have friends on the side. Like you're human. You're not going to run with the same crowd, you know, 24 seven. I mean, that's kind of like, uh, what animals do on the Serengeti, right? Like that's not us. We're in LA. You're running into people constantly. I think, you know, Working two jobs, yeah, I totally understand that. So you have very limited time. Do what you love in your free time. I started out as a visual artist, so I'm always, you know, going to a museum or show openings and talking to other artists. And you find people to connect that can that will connect with you in those kind of environments. You know, if you're if you're doing something that you enjoy you're going to be around people that are also doing the same thing and enjoying it. And that's already a step in the right direction. You know, if if you can either make a friend and then, you know, potentially make a new uh, relationship. So one of the people I'm dating now is um, I I ran into them through film, just a love of old cheesy horror movies. Like, you know, and, and it just started up real easy conversations about like you know um puppet master <laughs> and you know the absurdity of it all and, and you know it 
it grows. Relationships grow from that. So I think um, you have limited time, a limited amount of free time. Do what you love and talk to people, you know, that you run into while you're doing it. Yeah, I like that. I mean, it's it's funny how it starts off with you are all so busy and you definitely touched on the work, romance, just life balance that has to be achieved in order to pursue anything. But yeah, no, I, it, it's interesting too that like, you know, you really do have to dig into the things that you love doing. And from there, that's, I mean, that's how you start a conversation by like having common interests with someone. So it makes the most sense to like, you know, primarily seek out what makes you happy and then for the person to, you know, strike up a conversation with someone who is crossing their path doing something similar. I mean. Yeah. So I, you know, and it wasn't always like this conscious of, of these things. And I would definitely like have moments where I would just work, 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 work. Um, but my mom is, is really great. Um, you know, I, I talk to my mom and dad all the time. So she's really great. Like she really broke it down for me. She's like, this is your plate, right? And you're filling it with all these things that you're doing. And she's like, where's the part of the plate where you do stuff you like? Where's the part of the plate where you rest, you know? You can have, you can pile your plate as high as you want, but it's not gonna matter because you're not gonna enjoy it if you don't leave yourself a space to enjoy it. And I was like, hmm. you know? Mama's it, right. It, okay, Mama right? Cervantes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> she broke it down the way I understood with food. <laughs> <laughs> So I definitely agree with that a thousand percent. I was going to say um, to our listener, uh, you know, you're you're having you don't have enough time between work and everything else you have going on. You've got a full plate uh, and your plate is full of hanging out with friends but who do this, friends who do that, friends who do that. But there is no time for yourself. So why don't you start by taking that time for yourself and figuring out what matters to you the most? And if a relationship or finding a partner is something that really matters to you the most, then yes, like Andrew said, go and do things that you love to do because you will most likely find someone, even if it's just a friend. And I'm big on, you know, find friends. Like, honestly, like friends are great. And who knows, it could turn into something uh, more beautiful. And I think it usually does when it starts off as friends because you understand each other and there's no expectations outside of that friendship. So definitely go and do things that you love and make that I love list. So make a list of all the things that you've been wanting to do for a long time that you haven't had time to. And it's it's not breaking up with your friends. It's not like you're like ditching or dumping your friends if you're taking time for yourself. Your friends will always be there and your friends will understand if they're the right friends. They'll understand. Take time for yourself, please. And the other thing yeah. that's interesting is this adverse reaction to dating apps which is something hmm. that has come up on the podcast in several episodes. But, you know, I don't think it has to be this allergic reaction to creating a profile because there can be some use in using it, whether it's to pursue romance or whether it's to pursue friendships. I think there's usefulness in it. Um, but it depends on what the atten- intention is, you know? Yes. Yeah, yeah that's, 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 you know what you said there about intention is really important because you can't anticipate someone on the app's intention. Um, read the profile and you have to, inevitably you're going to have to talk yeah. to figure out if your intentions connect. 
I, you know, I've been on the apps. I'm still, I probably saw, and I don't know if I've like logged off or whatever, but I met a great friend through an app. Like, and I've taught, we've been friends for like, we dated for maybe like six months and it, it just didn't work out. But we've been friends for like 20 years. Like, you know, oh, wow. it's just like, you know, he's married, he's moved out of LA and we still keep in touch just to check in on each other and see what we're doing. And, you know, and, and that came out of an app, like, you know, and, and it was, our intentions were similar. Like we were both looking for someone to date. We just weren't right for each other. Um, we had a great run and I did write a play about it, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, no, it, it just didn't, you know, he was meant to be a friend. And friends have friends who they could potentially hook you up with. So, thousand percent. Opening up the dating pool. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrew, where can our listeners keep up with you? How can we see El Marihuano? Um, and also, where can we find your merchandise? Because I understand you are also at the Queer Mercado on Saturdays. So, do you want to tell us all about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, the Queer Mercado is celebrating its uh, one-year anniversary this Saturday, actually. Uh, but it's every third Saturday of the month, and it's in East L.A. Um, at the Hilda Solis Learning Academy. It's the first uh, vending event of its kind. All the vendors are queer um, or um, vetted, um, so we don't have anyone coming in and trying to take our queer dollars. So um, you should look them up there on Instagram, at the Queer Mercado. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Glittering Handy, and I post all of my uh, stuff, everything that's going on there. Um, El Marihuano has its own Instagram at El Marihuano Short Film, and um, we're part of Outfest LA. So our um, our film will be screening on Tuesday, the June 9th, July 19th, <laughs> Tuesday, July 19th at Plaza de la Raza uh, in Lincoln Heights. Um, I actually uh, teach at Plaza de la Plaza. I teach ceramics and uh, mixed media. Uh, so how cool really are you? Number one, like what? <laughs> yeah, so what it's surprises. Really cool. It's really cool that the film's going to be screening there because I'm like, you know, everyone that I work with is going to be there, and you know, all my friends are coming, and hopefully we'll, you know, see everyone out there, and you can see Alejandro on the big screen. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. It's been it's been so great and you're so funny and full of light and I just I love I love that I can feel your energy through this laptop. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> so much. I mean it's of your busy schedule. We appreciate the time that you took to take a moment and share with us your experiences, your talents, your radiance. <laughs> No, I mean, thank you. I was really excited to uh, to be a part of this. All right, guys. Well, this has been another episode of Damsels on the DMs. Don't forget to subscribe, like us wherever you get your podcasts, and always send us your letters. Tell us what's on your mind, what questions you have, any advice you're seeking. And we also have a feature where you can submit a voicemail anonymously if you prefer not to type anything. Because, um, I mean, I'm, I know we're all limited on time, so... Feel free, send us your thoughts. We want to hear from you. All right, until next time. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. <laughs> Bye. DMs, DMs, we don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.